You got your Queen Victoria and my Prince Albert. You got your Prince Albert and my Queen Victoria. Two great tastes that taste great together. It's Schmanners. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. Happy Max Fun Drive. Week one. I mean, we've already... Week one, (laughs) 2.0. Yes. We are are very happy. We are cooking. We are so happy. We're happy to be here. Um... Uh, and we are amused. That's the thing with Queen Victoria, right? She did say that. I mean, probably at least once. Apocryphally, <laughs> she did say we are not amused. But probably at some point she had to be like, now I am amused. <laughs> I was not before. I am now. So, uh, first, happy Max Fun Drive. Um, if you haven't listened to our Ask Schmanners episode yet, we're in Max Fun Drive. This is the time where we put out some of our best content of the year for two weeks and give you the opportunity to support the art and artists you love by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate, picking a donation level that you are comfortable with for monthly donations, and then you get rewarded for supporting the network. And um, you get rewarded with a warm, fuzzy feeling. Well, yeah, your warm fuzzies are off the chart. Joining us this week is special guest B.B. Lee. Um, <laughs> we'll have her chime in a little bit later to tell you why supporting Maximum Fun is so important. But um, this episode is very special. We've kind of been building to it for a while. Now, when we were planning our Max Fun bonus content, we kind of went back and forth. This was actually an episode we were going to do a while ago. And I thought, oh, let's save Queen Victoria for the fun drive. And then I thought, oh, I know what I'll do. You do Queen Victoria for the fun drive, and then I'll do Prince Albert for the bonus content. But then we thought about doing the Great British Bake Off for the bonus content. Spoiler alert, that's what we did. And we <laughs> thought, oh, I know. Super jam-packed Queen Victoria, Prince Albert mashup, week one, max fun drive. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. You'll pay for the whole seat, but you'll only use the edge. Well, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? I mean, we've talked about Victorian things a lot, and a lot of our notions of etiquette come from this period in history. Even though um, Queen Victoria was only queen of the British Empire, which at this point did not include the United States, we still wanted to emulate pretty much everything that Europe did. They were still the cool ones. I mean, if you're looking for high class, like I bet... I bet somewhere there's an anthropologist who could do a really fun study on the cross-culturalism of, like, America getting the high culture from Britain and Britain being fascinated by the cowboy culture of America. Sure. Um, that makes sense. There's a, there's a lot of cowboy culture in Sherlock Holmes. The first episode of Sherlock Holmes, or first episode, first book of Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> first Sherlock Holmes story has a lot of cowboy stuff in it. Anyways, um, that's not what we're talking about. Though, eventually, maybe we'll do a Sherlock Holmes, Arthur Conan Doyle episode. Um, so, what I found very interesting, and we'll talk more about this, basically we're going to jump back and forth between talking about Queen Victoria and talking about Prince Albert. I knew very little about Prince Albert before I started researching him. And the really, honestly, the only thing I knew about him was the Prince Albert that's represented in the Black Adder Christmas Carol special. 
And I just kind of thought of him as, uh, as kind of an oaf. Well, you knew the joke about Prince Albert in a can. Well, we'll talk about Prince Albert in a can as well as Prince Albert piercings. Um, but I just kind of thought of him as like, oh, he's probably kind of a goofy dude. He's a super cool dude. I'm well, excited to okay. hear about it. We will talk about it. How about you start? Give me a little bit of Queen Victoria. Well, the idea of Queen Victoria really starts before she was actually born because one of the reasons that that she came along was because Princess Charlotte, uh, who was the only legitimate child of the Prince of Wales, who would become the future George IV, um, died in childbirth and her son also died, uh, stillborn. So at this point, the nation was plunged into mourning and all of the unmarried uncles started a, like pretty much a competition to sire the next heir to the throne. Really? Yeah. Um, so all of them were ordered to marry and make kids. And uh, they were actually promised that the, the first one who would uh, make a kid got all of their heavy debts rescinded. And I'm betting from stuff we've talked about in the past and just what I know, these royals probably had a lot of heavy debts. Yes. There was a lot of like, I have my fortune. I spent my fortune. A lot of that happening at this time. Right. Um, And so the Duke and Duchess of Kent um, were the the ones who They won. They won. Um, But they did actually have to move to England because they actually had a small German dukedom, right? Um, But they had to move to England in order for the credentials to be super solid. Oh, it's like when you run for office, you have to live in the district that you're running for. Right. Right. Um, So then Queen Victoria, or future queen at this point, was born at Kensington Palace on May 24th, 1819. Why, that's the same year Prince Albert was born. Ooh. Yes, so a little bit of a connection here. Albert was born... I gave myself lots of fun names to say. Albert was born at Schloss Rosnau. Rosnau? Rosnau. Near Coburg, (laughs) Germany. The second son of Ernest III, Duke of Saxe-Coburg-Solfeld. And his first wife, Louise of Saxe-Gotha-Altenburg. Uh, Victoria was born early in the same year with the assistance of the same midwife. How cool. I don't I don't know. Maybe that's cool. Maybe there are only like three midwives. I imagine being like a midwife to like royals and dukes and stuff. They were probably very limited. There were probably only like two of them. There may have been. Yeah. Still, just a few. Still very interesting. I mean, like imagine. Well, I was about to say it would be like if Teresa and I found out the same doctor delivered us. But it's not like that because... Queen Victoria and Albert were first cousins, so it's not as, like, what? What are the odds? Um, So one interesting thing that I found out about Queen Victoria's birth is I had always thought that her name was Victoria. It's not? Well, her first name is Alexandrina. Really? Yes, Um, because she wasn't allowed uh, by the Prince Regent... Um, wouldn't allow her to be named anything like Charlotte or Elizabeth or Georgina, which were, you know, common royal names at that point. Um, but because the Russians are, Alexander I was her godfather, his name was available. So they named her Alexandrina Victoria. Interesting. 
And it was actually kind of confusing to the point where a lot of the public wasn't sure what her name would be until she was cor- uh, uh, till she was crowned queen at 18. And then she went by AV, and that's where we get AV Club from. No. Little, no, no, that is not true. Um, Albert was educated privately at home by... Christoph Floschutz, and later studied at Brussels, where Adolphe Coutelet, uh, we'll go with that, was one of his tutors. Um, like many other German princes, Albert attended the University of Bonn, where he studied law, political economics, philosophy, and the history of art. He played music and excelled at sport, especially fencing and riding. Cool. Yes. Victoria was educated by the, quote, Kensington system. Um, which was that, of course, she was schooled at home, but it the rules included she had to share a room with her mother and was never allowed to be alone. Interesting. Yeah, she found it pretty exhausting. And, I can uh, imagine. Became pretty stubborn about it. Um, and then uh, once she became the queen, she started making her mother live in more and more distant rooms from her, um, eventually having her leave the the castle. So wait, even after she became queen, she still technically had to live with her mom? I mean, until she booted her out, I guess. But Yeah, I mean, once she became queen, she was able to remove herself from her mother's room, but she kept pushing her further and further away from her in uh-huh. the palace and then booted her out eventually. Gotcha. Are we ready to talk about their marriage? Uh, one more thing about her coronation, first of all. Um, it was pretty chaotic. There were a couple mistakes that happened. Um, Victoria was handed the orb at the wrong moment. Ugh, the stage manager must have been going crazy. It's true. And the Archbishop of Canterbury forced a ring on the wrong finger, which took her an hour to take off. He's, and he was summarily executed. That's probably not true. He probably wasn't executed. Pro- and probably not. she was 18, not. right? Yes. Very young. Well, comparatively. Very young. Well, I, I suppose there were a couple of um, monarchs that became king and queen younger, mm-hmm. but it was because of deaths in the family. Um, and her father was dead, but her mother still lived. But her father was a duke. Like, we're talking about, right? The, right. He was, George was a king. He was an uncle of, yeah. of the king. Or of her. No. One of those. One of those. Of that family <laughs> tree, it all twists back around itself, don't it? It does, kind of. So let's let's get to the marriage. Um, so I really like this. Um, so uh, Victoria's uncle Leopold, who had been king of the Belgians since 1831, arranged for Victoria's mother to invite the Duke of Saxe-Coburg and Gotha and his two sons to visit, one of those sons being Albert, in May of 1836, with the purpose of meeting Victoria. Now, William IV, however, disapproved of any match with the Coburgs and instead favored the suit of Prince Alexander, second son of the Prince of Orange, because the Prince of Green was busy. <laughs> uh, Victoria was well aware of the various matrimonial plans and critically appraised a parade of eligible princes. I, I love this so much. She wrote, Albert is extremely handsome. His hair is about the same color as mine. His eyes are large and blue, and he has a beautiful nose and a very sweet mouth with fine teeth. But the charm of his countenance is his expression, which is most delightful. 
Alexandra, on the other hand, she described as very plain. Which is probably why she didn't marry him. Yeah, look, here's the thing, and we'll circle back to this a lot of times. This is, uh, a, I would say, uncommon as you study, especially as you go further and further back in like royalty and, and royal marriages. Albert and Victoria's was a marriage of love and passion. Yes, it was. And he, she loved him so much that she was like super nervous before they got married. So nervous that she got sick and was uh, incorrectly diagnosed with the measles. Because she was so nervous? She was so nervous and like ill with nerves. Um, but they had a great time ma- being married. Well, and we should also say... Victoria proposed to Albert. Yes, she had to. It was the rules. Um, Because she was queen, she had to propose. It would be seen as a power grab for him to propose to her. Um, But she loved their wedding so much that she continued to reenact their wedding moment 11 years later. (laughs) So cute. Yeah, they kept dressing up in their wedding clothes and getting pictures taken. Now, Teresa, I believe you found some clips uh, some uh, editorial descriptions of their wedding night. Is that correct? Am I remembering that correctly? Yes. Um, so what I found was a kind of a, a romanticized version of an account from her wedding night. Um, there were a couple of things I wanted to highlight. One, uh, this, is, this is an excerpt from it. Who is this by? It is by Julia Bard. Um, from a book she wrote called Victoria, the Woman Who Made the Modern World. Cool. Victoria woke the next morning after a night of little sleep. She lay still, staring at Albert's face in the early light, marveling at him and his pale throat, which she had only seen glimpses of before. That does make it sound like she's a vampire. <laughs> it, it does a little bit. And then she ripped his throat out <laughs> and fed on his royal blood. She was so lucky in that Albert seems to have been a competent, tender lover. <laughs> okay, now, hold on. Where, hmm, where'd you get that from? Hmm, Julia? Well, she, she does go on uh, to cite a journal entry of Queen Victoria's where she goes on to say, I never, never spent such an evening. My dearest, dear Albert sat on a footstool at my side, and his excessive love and affection gave me feelings of heavenly love and happiness I never could have hoped to have felt before. He clasped me in his arms, and we kissed each other again and again. His beauty, his sweetness and gentleness, oh, really how I can never be thankful enough for to have such a husband. This is the happiest day of my life. He must be a very competent lover to be able to do all that from a footstool at her side. <laughs> I'm no expert, unless you listen to my brother, my brother, and me, in which case I am. Um, so here's the thing. We'll talk more about their marriage. We'll get more into it. But first, let's talk a little bit about the Max Fun Drive. So here's the thing. Maybe there's a chance, even though it's Friday of week one, there's a chance that this is the first you are hearing about it. So I'm going to start from a point of assuming you know nothing about Max Fun or Max Fun Drive. Here's the thing. Max Fun 
is a donor listener supported network. They have very limited and carefully selected advertisers. Um, and but I would say that's maybe 5% of, of the budget. And the rest is all from listeners like you. Basically how it works is once a year we do a two-week drive where we give you the opportunity to commit to monthly donations to support the artist and art that you love. Um, and it starts as low as $5 a month. And then when you donate... You pick what shows you listen to. 30% of your monthly donation goes to support the Overhead at Max Fund, and the other 70% is split amongst the shows that you say that you listen to. So you are directly supporting. This is not like all your money goes to Max Fund and then they just decide who gets what. Your money goes directly to the shows you listen to. That's right. And the more, um, the more shows you listen to, the more that you're encouraged to donate. And so let's go through the levels. So $5 okay. a month, that's $60 a year. So like a AAA video game is how I always like to say it, or like one fancy coffee drink a month. You know what I mean? For, right. And for, what do you get for $5 a month? You get all bonus content ever. Not just from this year, but from all the previous years. You get every bonus episode and bonus cool times thing. Yeah, that's, how, every, that's what we call it. <laughs> from Nailed every it. podcast ever. Well, because there's some videos and stuff. There is. There's a My Brother, My Brother and Me clip from the show that is not available anywhere else. It's a deleted scene. Now, Teresa, um, when you say all the bonus content, do you mean like two hours, three hours of stuff? About a hundred hours I read Whoa. from Lindsay. Yeah, about a hundred hours. It's a lot of hours. Yeah. Um, and that's just for $5 a month. Um, now, for $10 a month, you get the bonus content, and then you also get your choice of an enamel pen, one for each show, so you can pick the one for Schmanners. Which it's is super cute. So it's a little cute. teacup. Or you could pick one from one of the other shows, I guess, but it's not as cute as Schmanners. <laughs> and a lot of people I've seen kind of agonizing trying to pick which pen they want. Because well, everybody listens to so many wonderful, great podcasts. Well, here's the good news, and we've already hit 10000 so this is definite now. You're Anybody who donates at $10 a month and pre-existing $10 a month donors, so if you You've always done $10 a month. You're going to get a chance to buy the pens outright, and it will go to an as-unpicked charity, but it's it's a chance for you to show your support for all the shows you listen to. So that's $10 a month. For $20 a month, you get the bonus content, you get right. your choice of enamel pen, right? and then you get the Keep in Touch kit. Which is super awesome for our Schmannerly listeners, because we always encourage written correspondence. Yeah, basically it has, uh, I think, nine note cards, a four-color rocket pen, uh, a rocket stamp, and a, a scented candle that I believe is um, scented like sharpened pencil and friendship is, I think, the description of it. Not exactly sure what friendship smells like, but I bet it smells great. And the nice thing is, in case you haven't caught it yet, when you donate at a level, you get all the rewards from the level below. So at $35, you get the Keep in Touch kit, you get the enamel pen, you get the bonus content, and you also get a, sac- a set of rocket engraved mugs, which I always think makes it sound like they're engraved by rockets, but that's <laughs> not the case. They are like, you know, beer mug kind of mugs, though you can use them for any beverage you want, and they have the Max Fun Rocket logo engraved on them. Very cool. They're super cool. We have uh, the set of like uh, the rocket engraved tumblers for, uh, you know, like a like a Tom Collins. No, I don't know. Like a Manhattan highball, whatever. It's a highball glass. Uh, Sure. And then the rocket engraved thermos and now rocket engraved uh, beer mugs. And there's higher levels and we'll talk about that. No, is it an old fashioned glass? 
I don't know. That's why I tumbler. Like, you know, well, whiskey tumbler. A, a tumbler is taller than these. I think I think it is an old fashioned. We're going to have sh- to do a whole barware episode. Oh, we could. That'd be yes. great. I keep having new ideas. Anyways, we'll talk more about the higher levels later. But here's the thing. I I um, I don't want to be too impassioned, but because that's not schmanily. But the <laughs> fact of the matter is is I I have currently four shows on the network and i do that because one i love max fun and i love making shows for max fun but also the support is overwhelming every year at max fun drive i'm getting choked up now but every year at max fun drive just seeing people talk about how much it means to them and knowing that they not only listen but that they like the shows so much and they mean so much to them to finance to make the decision to financially support them when they don't have to means the world to me. It's the reason that we do what we do and it's allowed us to take on whole new projects and, you know, make this our like basically full-time job. And, you know, there's lots of life stuff that gets in the way. We've moved a couple times in the last couple of years, made a TV show, made a baby. But when it comes down to it, we still make time to do these shows because we know that there are people out there who count on us and and support us. And it really means so much to us that we would love when you donate. Um, Please tweet at us, at SchmannersCast, so that we can thank you. I love uh, favoriting and, or liking, is that what you do on Twitter? You You heart them? I heart them, and then I say thank you to every single person that tweets at us. Um, I am also planning on doing a live question and answer on Twitter Sunday afternoon. So join me for that. Uh, And we'll announce the time for that on the Facebook group and the Twitter and that kind of thing. Um, And not only that, if we hit 12,000 today on Friday, I'm going to do a live stream baking thing on Sunday. So you can see me bake something. I don't know. We'll pick something. Maybe we'll do it together. I don't know. We'll have trees. We'll do prep cook stuff. It'll be great. Um, And if we hit 15, what did I say? 13 and a half thousand by the end of Saturday, I'm going to do like a nail care stream sometime next week. And I don't know, other stuff. But we we have a lot more. That's the thing, too, because you might say, wait, I thought their goal was 10,000 new and upgrading donors. Honestly, when we set that goal, I thought, well, I I think we'll just get there maybe by like Thursday of next week. And you all came out and supported the shows and we blew past it. But 10,000 is not like all we need. That's just was our first milestone goal. I, I We have goals for 15. We're talking about stuff for 20,000. And I think we can get there. Because this is really the only fundraising that Max Fund does all year. So we love to blow past those goals. Yeah, that's I mean, I, here's the thing. I look back 2015, our goal was 2000 new and upgrading donors and we're nearing 11,000 this year. It's amazing. That's amazing. So that's enough talking about the Max Fund Drive. If you would like to support the shows, MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. Do it now while you're thinking about it. Don't wait. Unless you're driving. At which point, do wait. But otherwise, go now. And even if you're not sure, just go take a look, think about it, and see what you can do. Um, But now, back to the show. Okay. So, um, even though uh, Albert was very popular with Victoria... He was not so popular with the British public. At first, he was perceived as being from kind of uh, an impoverished state. I mean, the state he was from was barely larger than a small English county. Um, The British Prime Minister, Lord Melbourne, advised the Queen against granting her husband the title of King Consort. And in fact, he was never king. Even though he was married to one of the most popular queens of all time... He was never named king. And in in fact, for a while, he was simply known as His Royal Highness Prince Albert. 
And Parliament also objected to Albert being created a peer, partly because of anti-German sentiment, but moreover, its desire to exclude Albert from any political role. Um, and also, there was a little bit of uh, of, of religious controversy um, because he was a member of uh, he was a Protestant, um, and and it, this was worrisome. Um, and there was also greater concern as far as the religious stuff goes because there were some members of Albert's family that were Roman Catholic. And that was a thing at the time, I guess. I don't know. But anyways, there was a lot of pressure against him. Um, and so he did not receive an ennoblement. An ennoblement? Yes. Um, and consorts in the past had received 50,000 uh, pounds a year, I guess. Yeah, a year. And he only received 30,000, which was fine because he was already super rich. So he was totally cool with it, um, saying it would almost be a step downwards for as a Duke of Saxony, I feel myself much higher than a Duke of York or Kent. And it wasn't until uh, 1857 when uh, Victoria formally granted him the title of Prince Consort. Well, and he didn't really need a ton of money because uh, she became the richest woman in the world when Parliament granted her an, an, an annuity of... 385,000 pounds a year. So, you know, they were pretty comfortable. And also, it's important to note that this is one of those scenarios where the fact that their marriage was one of, like, it was an actual, like, match, match. Like, even though he technically never, like, held an office, he was an advisor to her, and, like, they worked very closely together, and she trusted his advice, and... Like, he had a lot of influence, even though he didn't technically have any influence. But he had a pretty strong influence on British culture, which I will talk about in a while. But at first, let's talk about their babies, of which there were a lot. There were a lot. So she and Albert had nine children in 16 years, um, which meant that she spent 80 months of her life pregnant boom right a lot a lot of months yes um and they actually had their first child um they conceived their first child two months after their wedding um and actually all nine children survived to adulthood um which as you might imagine at the time is pretty amazing i mean we've talked we talked about uh arthur guinness last week and the 21 kids of which only 10 survived to adulthood. Mm -hmm. And like the fact that nine of their kids, I mean, a lot of that probably also has to do with the fact that as the queen and prince of England, they had access to the best. Right. But also um, it was credited a lot. A biographer, Hermione Hobhouse credits Albert's enlightened influence on the healthy running of the nursery. Now I couldn't find what that means. Everybody just talks about his enlightened influence. But my theory is that before him, they were just leaving babies on the ground. And he said, <laughs> let's get some beds for these babies. And they were like, what? <laughs> That's genius. And he's like, I know. It was probably slightly more complicated. Only slightly. Maybe. They're just letting these babies eat rocks. This isn't good. Give babies baby food. <gasps> baby food, of course. <laughs> 
Now, there is a, a little bit of tragedy to this tale. I mean, even though all the children survived, Queen Victoria was the first known carrier of hemophilia, um, which would later become known as the royal disease. Um, if you listen to Sawbones, you know what hemophilia is, but here's a quick rundown. Hemophilia is a blood clotting disorder, which is caused by a mutation on the X chromosome, which means it can be passed along the maternal line within families. And because it's on one of the X chromosomes, women are usually carriers, but men are more likely to develop it. Um, And what happens is when you suffer from hemophilia, you bleed excessively because your blood doesn't properly coagulate or, you know, clot, which can lead to death. Um, So, for example... Victoria's son, Leopold, who was the Duke of Albany, died from blood loss after he slipped and fell. Uh, her, grandson, her grandson, Friedrich, bled to death at age two. And two of her other grandsons, again, Leopold and Maurice, uh, died in their early 30s from it. And um, Queen Victoria's descendants married into royal families all around Europe. So the disease spread through Germany, Russia, Spain, and um, recent research involving DNA analysis on the bones of the last Russian royal family, the Romanovs, um, revealed that Victoria's descendants suffered from a special subtype of the disorder, hemophilia B, which is far less common than hemophilia A, and now appears to be extinct in the royal bloodlines. This is also uh, referenced in the Doctor Who episode Tooth and Claw, um, where with Queen Victoria in it, where they fight a werewolf. It's actually a pretty good episode. <laughs> and she gets scratched, and then there's, or bit or something, and they, uh, doctor, the doctor talks about, I must call him Doctor Who. Oh, that would have been so embarrassing. The doctor talks about um, that, like, hemophilia being, like, a code for the royal family having uh, a, oh, I can't think of the name. What's the actual name for werewolfism? Uh, oh, no. Lycanthropy. Yes, got it. Um, and, and hemophilia being passed through. Here's the thing, though. It's never occurred to me till just now. The episode of Tooth and Claw takes place after Albert's death. Spoiler. And so, oh. like, no, Doctor Who, That's she wouldn't pass it through her royal line. All of her kids are already born. I've never thought about that till this second. Huh. Anyways, still a good episode. Um, I, I did find it interesting. Um, because she spent so much uh, of her life pregnant, Albert helped a lot with right. like with the government and and the ruling he did a lot of the paperwork for he uh he became president of the society for the extinction of slavery um even though slavery had already been abolished throughout uh the british empire it was still lawful in places like united states and the colonies of france and albert helped work to fight slavery sweet um and also helped with a lot of her paperwork and stuff but that's not as interesting this is cool Get this. In June of 1840, while on a public carriage ride, Albert and pregnant Victoria were shot at by Edward Oxford, who was later judged insane. Neither Albert nor Victoria was hurt, and Albert was praised in the newspapers for his courage and coolness during the attack, which led to him gaining public support as well as, well as political influence. Um, and then... Parliament passed the Regency Act of 1840 to designate himself regent in the event of Victoria's death before their child reached the age of majority, which is 
a big step considering that not shortly before people were like eh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> eh, not crazy um and then their first child was born uh in november that is a, a very detailed account of one of the assassination attempts do you know how many there were in total I know of a second one where there more of that than that. At least six serious assassination attempts were made against Victoria. Whoa. Uh, most of them did take place while she was riding in carriages. Um, so then another would-be assassin, John Francis, made two attempts to shoot the queen in her carriage in 1842. Uh, same, that same year, another man named John William Bean tried to fire a gun loaded with paper and tobacco at the queen. Uh, two more yeah I mean it didn't work because the charge the charge wasn't sufficient no he pointed a gun at her yeah but it's filled with paper and tobacco might as well popped out a flag and said bang (laughs) I mean it was an attempt still Um, I guess two more carriage attacks happened in 1849 and 1850 um, by a so-called quote angry Irishman uh, William Hamilton and then the second by an ex-army officer Robert Pate who hit the queen with his cane. Oh. Uh, finally, in March of 1882, a disgruntled Scottish poet named Roderick McLean shot at Victoria with a pistol while her carriage was leaving uh, the Windsor train station. Um, it was supposedly McQueen, McLean's eighth attempt to assassinate the queen. He was also found to be insane. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, through all of these assassination attempts, Victoria's popularity soared among the pro- English public. Yeah. They were like, "This nobody can kill this queen. She's sweet. Yeah. She's invincible. She's unbreakable. She she can lift 500 pounds. Five werewolves. What? Um, no. Uh, Albert became uh, the queen's private secretary and encouraged his wife to have a greater interest in social welfare. Um, and uh, he invited Lord Shaftesbury the driving force behind successive factory acts to Buckingham Palace to discuss the matter of child labor. His constitutional position was a difficult one, and though he exercised influence with tact and intelligence, he never enjoyed great public popularity during Queen Victoria's reign. Um, but yeah, he was a real driving force b- behind like child labor uh, issues, slavery issues, loved art. He was a, a, a big, um, uh, what's the word, sponsor, not sponsor. Patron. Big patron of arts and everything. And didn't he establish several museums? He did. He did a ton of, like, culture, especially, and Christmas. He had a huge influence on Christmas. Yeah, Christmas trees? It's Albert. It's we Albert. talked about that. Yeah, the Germanic tradition of Christmas trees. Um, did you talk about them being shot at on, on both the 29th and the 30th of May, 1842? John Francis? Yeah, I did. I talked uh, about that. And that, So not only was there a lot of, like, every time the queen was shot at, they always wrote about Albert, like he single-handedly, like, saved the queen. That, I don't know how much of that's true, but... That probably contributed to uh, their public persona. Yes, 1840. They were married in 1840. They were not apart for four years uh, until uh, Albert had to return home uh, for the death of his father. They were together four years straight. They were not, it, which you might be thinking like, oh, my partner and I are, 
we're talking about like royals who like had to travel for things and go to things and be places. Mm-hmm. They went everywhere together. Um, I uh, Oh, also, uh, Albert took an active interest in the arts, science, trade, and industry. He masterminded the Great Exhibition of 1851 with a view of celebrating the great advances of the British Industrial Age and the expansion of the empire. He used the profits to help establish the South Kensington Museums Complex in London. There's the museum. Yeah. That fool did a lot of great stuff, is what I'm trying to say. I'm a big fan of Albert. Um, so... As mentioned earlier, he does die. As just, everyone does. Well, as everyone has so far. There's ne- no guarantee that people alive now will be dead later. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so this began, uh, he began to be seriously ill with stomach cramps in August of 1859. Um, and uh, he was driving alone in a carriage drawn by four horses that suddenly bolted. As the horses continued to gallop towards a stationary wagon waiting on a railway crossing, Albert jumped for his life from the carriage. One of the horses was killed in the collision, and Albert was badly shaken, though his only physical injuries were cuts and bruises. He told his brother and eldest daughter that he sensed his time had come. So, that's interesting. I just find that so fascinating, like, his stomach was hurting. On an unrelated note, right. his horse is bolted and he almost died. And he was like, yeah, I think I'm going to die soon. She's okay, cool. Cool, man. Um, in March of 1861, Victoria's mother and Albert's aunt, the Duchess of Kent, died. And Victoria was grief-stricken. So Albert took on most of the Queen's duties, despite being ill himself with chronic stomach trouble. Um, the last public event that he presided over was the Royal Horticultural Gardens on June 5th, 1861. By November, Victoria and Albert had returned to Windsor, and the Prince of Wales had returned to Cambridge, where he was a student. Two of Albert's cousins, King Pedro V and Prince Ferdinand of Portugal, died of typhoid fever. On top of this news, Albert was informed that gossip was spreading in gentlemen's clubs, and the foreign press that the Prince of Wales was still involved with Nellie Clifton, <gasps> which I guess he was not supposed to be. Um, they were horrified by their son's indiscretion and feared blackmail, scandal, or pregnancy. Although Albert was low and at a low ebb, he traveled to Cambridge to see the Prince of Wales to discuss his son's indiscreet affair. In his final weeks... Albert suffered from pains in his backs and legs. On December 9th, one of Albert's doctors, William Jenner, diagnosed typhoid fever. Um, And then Albert passed away at 10.50 p.m. on December 14th, 1861, in the Blue Room at Windsor Castle, in the presence of the Queen and five of their nine uh, children. The contemporary diagnosis was typhoid fever, but... Modern writers have pointed out that Albert was ill for at least two years before this death, which may indicate a chronic disease such as Crohn's disease, renal failure, or abdominal cancer. Um, and at the time, they just they just didn't have the the right kind of like diagnosing techniques, right? Um, uh, especially for stuff like Crohn's disease. They just I, I at the time, like I said, his cousins, you know, are dying of typhoid fever. And I think they talk about this on Sawbones, too. Like, once they find out about a disease, that disease is responsible for everything (laughs) until they find the next disease. So it's like, yeah, typhoid people are killing people. That guy died, probably typhoid fever. It's like, yeah, he was stabbed. It's still probably typhoid fever. Okay, let's move on. Well, so once Prince Albert died, the queen, she was inconsolable. 
Um, for how long? For like a couple days? She maybe a wore week? black. She mourned for 40 years. The rest of her life. The rest of her life. Um, Which actually led to there was a long period of Victorian England and thereby America where everybody wore black all the time. Yeah, because Queen Victoria wore black all the time. Um, and they were actually uh, in the subsequent years, like just right after his death, um, there were there was a terrible public perception that no one was really governing. I mean... The monarchy was not the only government program. I yeah, mean, yeah, obviously, parliament, parliament yeah. but like it, it there was, was no uh, one at, at the head. At the head, she was lampooned in the press, and there were even several uh, cartoons showed royal robes draped over an empty throne to to signify that she really wasn't doing her duties. I mean, to be fair, listen, listen, they loved each other very much. It was is truly you know a, a passionate love filled marriage. 40 years is, is a is a fairly long time to just mourn the rest of your life. But you know what? I'm not going to take that away from her. I get it. I get it. I've been learning about Albert. I think he's great. I'm also very sad that he's dead. So I get it. And I wasn't even married to him. I think one of the things that also contributed to her mourning period and her subsequently becoming more and more grumpy... Um, was she didn't have a lot of confidence in her children to govern at all. Um, so Albert Edward, who is called Bertie, um, the Prince of Wales, was given no compensatory duties to fill. Um, That's the dude we were talking about that like had the affair and was very indiscreet. So like, bye-bye, Bertie. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Um, and even his wife, Alexandra, who was, you know, beautiful but brainless, um, according uh, to reports of the time, this right, is not according, us judging uh, right. her. <laughs> Sorry, according to Queen Victoria, um, wasn't wasn't giving anything to do because, according to her, she wasn't able to rein in Bertie at all. Um, so Queen Victoria pretty much was like, "This is this is me now." Yeah, <laughs> I'm queen forever. Um, and she was the longest reigning queen until Queen Elizabeth II, right? Correct. Now, Teresa, before we get too much further, um, and before we take another break from X Fun, because I don't, I don't want to move, I don't want to miss it. Um, there was also something you were telling me about Queen Victoria and Albert's facial hair that I do want to make sure we include. Oh, well, the Queen loved Albert's mustache so much that she made a law that every British officer in the army had to grow one. That makes me so happy. <laughs> I love my husband's mustache. Now everyone has a mustache that actually led for a long time, like to a huge resurgence in facial hair. Yeah. As, like before that, facial hair was unpopular. Um, and we talked about facial hair in an episode, or it usually is kind of like when there's a war, then you see a lot of like military personnel, they don't have time to shave. So then it becomes very dashing and very in vogue to have facial hair. And then in times of peace, it, it goes away. So I just love this idea of like, oh, well, everybody has to have a mustache now because I love my husband very much. It's just so, it makes me so happy, Teresa. Speaking of making me happy, it's Max Fun Drive. Now we talked about the $5 level with the bonus content, the $10 level with the enamel pens, the $20 level with the keep in touch kit, and the $35 level with the, uh, with the engraved mugs. I want to tell you about 
the $100 level. Now, at the $100 level, you become a member of the Monthly Culture Club. Now, the Monthly Culture Club, um, which I think that members of of Schwanners would just love. We love culture. Culture is a thing. And uh, the way that the culture club works is every month a Max Fun host or Max Fun producer, somebody at Max Fun is going to pick um, an album, a movie, a book, something culture based, something media culture that has impacted their lives or that they're a big fan of that they think everyone would get a kick out of. And then if you're a member of that culture club, that thing is going to be sent to you along with a note as to why they chose it, which I just love. It's just like being a member of like a book club or something where you know that everybody is consuming the same media as you that month. You can get on the maxfun.org Facebook group and discuss it. Plus, you get all that other stuff, the $5, $10, $20, all that stuff. Now, Teresa, $200 a month. Mm-hmm. It's Listen, I know that that is a very high number. I get that. But the amount of support the amount I two hundred dollars a month goes a long way to support the shows you love. Plus, you get all those rewards we talked about, and what do you get at two hundred dollars a month? Guaranteed registration to Max FunCon, which is incredible. Max FunCon twenty eighteen. You're going to get registered for it if you're a two hundred a month uh, donor. If you don't know about Max FunCon, if you've never been to Max FunCon, it is one of my favorite times. Of year, Max Fun Drive and Max Fun Con are my two favorite times <laughs> of year. Max Fun Con, I always call it like uh, a, like adult summer camp, not like XXX adult, but like adult like go hang out with adults and we do crafts and swim in the pool and there's comedy shows and there's live podcast shows and everybody eats meals together and you make new friends that last a lifetime and like it's just such a great get together and it sells out really quick. So having guaranteed registration from it is worth its weight in gold, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and so, so then all you have to do to attend Max Fun Con is pay your plane ticket. Yeah. Get there. Just get there. Get there. And you'll get to hang out with comedians and writers and photographers and podcasters and also all the other really great attendees that are there. You know what I mean? Like I've been going now, I think I've been to like six of them. And they're great every time. And it always ends like summer camp with people crying and promising that they'll write to each other and see each other next year. It's great. Um, so if you would like to support the art and artists you love, you can go to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate um, and consider giving at one of these levels. Um, and you know what? I will also say, I understand that not everybody can afford to commit to a monthly donation. I get that. I've been there. In college, I was super broke all the time. After college, I was super broke for a lot of the time. <laughs> I get it. I, I And you should not feel bad if you can't afford to do it. But you can still help. Go on social media, go on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, Tumblr, Instagram, Pinterest, whatever, and let people know that the Max Fun Drive is going on. Share the, the link, MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. Tell your friends if you have people that introduce you to Max Fun and you know that they, um, you know that they aren't donors. Say, hey, are you a donor? Have you thought about it? There's also a program going on right now that I really love, um, and it started on the Adventure Zone group, but it's spread to a bunch of other ones um, where people are sponsoring people. They're like doing, um, uh, they're doing like scholarships where you like basically put your name in and say, I can't, I can't do five dollars a month, but I love Max Fun. Can somebody help me out? And then other people 
are pledging for them. Wow. Yeah, it's it's wonderfully touching. Um, and we'll we'll post a link to the the thing in our Facebook group if that's the position that you're in, or if you want to be able to give that to other people. You know what I mean? Maybe you're already like a thirty five dollar a month, and somebody wants to do five dollars a month, but they can't afford it, and you want to help them out. It's incredible. The MaxFun community is amazing. Like it, it blows my mind seeing stuff like that where it's like, oh, you can't do it and you want to get the bonus content? Sure, I'll help you out. What? That's insane. Like it, 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 it's so great. It makes me so happy to be a part of MaxFun. Um, and I want you to be a part of MaxFun too. Um, so if you would like to consider donating, MaxFunFun.org forward slash donate. Now, Teresa, do you have anything else? about Victoria before I talk about Prince Albert and Kim? <laughs> well, I would like to say that um, during Queen Victoria's reign, uh, the British Empire was the largest it had been at any time in history. Did the sun ever set on it? Nope. No. Because, because uh, Queen Victoria reigned over Canada, over parts of Africa, over Australia, over India. She was named Empress of India by Prime Minister Benjamin Disraeli. Um, and I have a, a small anecdote about that. Uh, in the 1870s, the queen began to yearn for a title that would prevent her eldest daughter, Vicky, married to the heir to the German throne, um, from outranking her proud mother. So the queen uh, wanted to become Empress of India. And as part of the price for her, in, her increasing public role, pressed Israeli into arranging an imperial title, res- representing the jewel in her crown. Okay. Now I need to look up. Maybe you know how many titles she held? I don't know. I'm going to find out now. At the end of her reign, her full title was Her Majesty Queen Victoria, by the grace of God, of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland, Queen Defender of the Faith, Empress of India. Nice. I'd like to mention that her reign was not without scandal. (gasps) The Um, show? What? The show from Shonda Rhimes? No. Okay. <laughs> you you really throw me off when you do it that. It was not without the show Sh- Scandal by Shonda Rhimes. Created by Shonda Rhimes. Starring Joshua Molina. I actually, I, I, Carrie Washington, I actually think is the star of it. I just know Joshua Molina's in it. I've never seen Scandal before. All right. Back to Victoria. Um, so she had a, Scot- a Scottish manservant named John Brown. Um, who there was a little bit of a scandal around there. There was a rumor that after um, Prince Albert's death that she and John Brown had become intimate, even that they were secretly married. <gasps> and in 1869, there was a scandal sheet that claimed that the queen had gone to Switzerland to covertly bear his child. Now... She probably didn't because she was 50 that year um, and was probably out of her childbearing it's not, years. It's not impossible. It's just improbable. Improbable. Yes. Um, but she really didn't seem to squash the rumors. Um, she despised smoking, but Brown would often appear before her in a haze of tobacco and um, he was often tipsy as well, and he taught Victoria how to put a nip of scotch in her tea. Um, and it, it was such a scandal because of an age, in an age of sentimental eff- effusions, um, she sent valentines to him by post, and she awarded him a special medal for loyal service to the queen. Now, 
it's also possible that the explanation of like why she didn't squash it why she didn't care about his smoking or whatever is because she was like in super mourning for her husband and just didn't care about much of anything it's possible and it's also said that without a husband to embrace she seems to have savored being clutched by him as he helped her on and off her horses and in and out of her carriages so i think that she probably just wanted somebody to be close with she was lonely yeah i get that i get that now on to prince albert and a can all right um i did find this interesting prince albert and a can oh well i'll get there prince albert and a can is one of the more popular independent brands of pipe tobacco in the united states in the 1930s it was the second largest money maker for reynolds um more recently it has become available in the form of pipe tobacco cigars um and it is not actually named for Prince Albert. It's named for Prince Albert's son. Uh-huh. Um, Edward VII, um, who was known uh, as Prince Albert before being crowned king. I see. Yes. And the old that's joke good, is... That's good to know because I was confused. <laughs> yeah. And it's... Uh, so most people, I would imagine, only know of Prince Albert in a can... From the old prank call of, like, calling someplace. I don't know. This is one of those things where I bet the last time anyone actually ever did this was, like, 1962. Except it's referenced in, like, Looney Tunes and that kind of thing. Where it was supposed to be that you'd call a store and ask them if they had Prince Albert in a can. And if they did, you would say, well, you better let him out. And then hang up the phone. (laughs) Classic. Um, I also want to talk about the Prince Albert piercing. And I'm going to do... My absolute best to not be blue here. So if you're hearing this, I had a whole thing about the uh, about the Prince Albert piercing, but we think it might be a little too hot for TV. So I am going to cut that part out and post it in the Facebook group as an audio clip, right, that you can listen to. If you want to know about the Prince Albert piercing. Okay. Right? Is that better? Yeah. Okay. I've, I, my heart, I'm having palpitations. Okay. So <laughs> just know if, if you were worried, it's fine. Um, so that's going to do it for this week. Before we let you go one more time, if you want to support the art and artists you love, this Max Fun Drive, please go to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate and consider becoming a monthly supporter. And then when you do... Make sure to tweet at us and let us know at SchmannersCast, S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S-C-A-S-T, so that we can say thank you. Go on our Facebook group, uh, just search Schmanners, S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S. I had somebody message me and ask me why they couldn't find Schmanners on Facebook, and it's because they were putting a C in it. Mm. There's no C in Schmanners. Um because for some reason I decided not to put one in there when we made the show, and now in retrospect, I should have because it confuses everybody. There's no, there's no C though. There's no C. It's just S H M A N N E R S. Maximumfund.org forward slash donate. Um, tell a friend, share this episode, and go check out all the other amazing shows on Maximum Fun. This is a great time to do it. There's lots of great content going up. People are putting up some of their best content of the year in these two weeks, um, and go check it out. I would like to thank Brent, Brentlefloss Black, for the theme music, uh, which is available as a ringtone where those are sold. Um, Also, thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our beautiful banner art and our thumbnail art. And thank you to everybody on the Twitter feed. Uh, I've received several beautiful doodles for uh, Schmanner's Max Fun Drive, and those are really 
really top notch. Um, one of those doodles you mentioned uh, was done by Midge Scully. And it is now currently my Twitter uh, profile pick because I liked it so gosh darn much. Oh, and uh, next week's episode, we've already decided because we want to make sure you have a chance to get your questions in because we think there will be a lot of questions for this one. We're going to be doing social media. So like Twitter and Facebook. Let's keep it to Twitter and Facebook, in fact, because um, I think that there will be plenty of questions. So if you have questions about social media and Facebook etiquette, um, Twitter and Facebook etiquette, you can tweet them at us um, at SchmannersCast or you can post them on the Facebook group. I'll start a thread so you can comment on there. I would like to put a little bow on this episode. Do it. One of the comments made about Queen Victoria is that she was not a very good mother. She was uh, domineering and not did not dote on her children. But this story has a pretty un- unexpected ending. Birdie, who we talked about earlier, never broke off relations with his mother, um, whereas several of her other children did. Um, and he eventually succeeded her as king at the age of 59. He did a very good job. He modernized the monarchy, which is one reason why the British monarchy survived World War I when so many other monar- monarchies did not. Um, so maybe she wasn't such a bad mom after all. I, I, I imagine that maybe she got a bad rap in motherhood because the expectation before that was that they'd live in the same room as their kid forever. And she didn't do that, it doesn't sound like. Oh, oh, there's one. La- okay, one last little tidbit before we go that you told me about, about the design of the room. Ah, yes. Um, so Prince Albert and Queen Victoria had a vacation home on the Isle of Wight. Um, and in, in Bond-esque style... Prince Albert d- devised a, a mechanism so that they could lock the door while laying in bed. So they could never be disturbed should they choose to become intimate. Those two. that It's so cute. They make me so happy. Um, Just like my wife makes me happy. And you make me happy. And everything makes me happy. That's going to do it for us this week. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.